With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. He is psychic Josh Landy in his Soho House style office. Hello, Josh. Let me ask you one question before we begin. We've been a lot of feedback from the listeners, a few complaints a few mentions of the fact that sometimes you're eating during the podcast and they can, yeah, haven't you seen these complaints? (laughs) And they can hear you munching away sometimes when you don't turn off your mic on the Zoom. Would you like to address this very important issue? I don't believe it's me, Boyd. No, I think there are uh, gremlins in the system. Uh, Very rare. I I can remember an occasion that I was eating during this podcast. But the problem, dear listener, is that Boyd Hilton moves the time of these podcasts (laughs) with no regard for other people's schedules. And here we are tonight at 20 past 10 in the evening, finally able to do this podcast because Boyd's Busy, hectic lifestyle means Alan and I have been waiting for the last hour and a half to Ooh. do this podcast. Wow. And um, maybe that's why I was impacted and my dinner w- was being eaten, perhaps mm. when still warm. I don't know. I hadn't seen yeah. these uh, complaints. Okay. Oh, okay. I assume you've w- seen Was them. it several or just one? It was a couple. A couple. I would say two really? or three. Two or three. Oh, I do apologize. Maybe they left it's you not, out. It's because... not acceptable. No, I apologize. Maybe... Thank you. I only have a bottle of Evian in front of me, so no food tonight. Excellent. I've got a bottle of uh, Southern Peach Lemonade as well. Alan, Alga is with us, the legend, 
the pundit, the Guna um, columnist, Guna fanzine columnist himself, betting expert, I'm saying. Uh, welcome, Alan. How are we doing? Good, thank you. Apart from uh, apologies for keeping you waiting. I, I was at a screening tonight of the London Film Festival film and uh, there was a Q&A afterwards and it started late. The director wouldn't stop, shut, stop talking <laughs> and it just went on and on and on. I, at one point I was going to go walk out and then I messaged uh, Josh to apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you feel better, Boyd, after, you know, Josh saying all that. Uh, this yeah. time suits me fine. It's oh, great. Best time of day for me to do it. Good to know. Good to know. I was thinking on the way here, actually, of like an original question to ask to open the this. Obviously, we're all in a state. I well, I'm certainly in a state of high pleasure because of the triumph against Liverpool and the triumph against Bodo Glimt, of course, as well. Uh, uh, long Thursday. Um, so I was trying to think of an interesting way in, and this suddenly struck me. Remember, you know, Aubameyang. Two things about Aubameyang. He there was a video circulated of him slagging off um, Arteta, saying he, he can only deal with young kids, young players. I'm paraphrasing. And he had trouble with, you know, older personalities. Again, I'm paraphrasing. But my question is, thinking about Aubameyang leave, being forced out of the club, is would we be where we are today now, top of the league, on this tremendous run, playing brilliant football, if he hadn't, if Aubameyang hadn't been consistently late to training and whatever else he did to annoy Arteta, and Arteta basically got rid of him. Alan? It's a really interesting question, and I, I suppose I'm going to answer it with a question, because if Aubameyang stays, then that means that he's bought into whatever Arteta was trying to implement, and therefore there wouldn't have been any of that, um, you know, lateness and just general lack of desire, and he would have been part of this project. So it's his attitude that got him thrown out. So it wasn't his ability that got him thrown out. It was his attitude. So, And I think the attitude then have affected what you were seeing on the pitch. So sort of throw it back at you and say, look, if the cause of any of that was his misbehaviour getting him thrown out, then it happened for the right reasons. And, you know, that, that decision... Looks massively vindicated now. Yeah, I get. I guess thinking about um, all or nothing and what and what that revealed, and also the all or nothing with Pep actually as well is that they do. I think they both do function much, particularly well with young, malleable, incredibly enthusiastic players like Jesus and um, you know all those other brilliant players that he's kind of helped got better, Pep. And I feel like with our young players, actually, apart from all the other things that he's proven about himself in this in this particular season so far, his way with the with those young players is really important. I think, and actually, that is maybe that maybe it's true. Maybe I I feel personally that even if Aubameyang had, and I was absolutely critical of Arteta at the time, I thought it was an example of bad man management. That he couldn't incorporate um, Aubameyang, Aubameyang into the squad. But I now feel that the fewer older slightly more like in in all in all or nothing there are scenes where Bamiya is clearly taking the piss out of him and his his you know team talks and all that whereas I feel like the kids are have a more inherent respect for what he's trying to do and say Josh yeah and that was something left in all or nothing yeah so it makes you wonder what wasn't there that Abamyang or others might have been doing and it was noticeable wasn't it yeah it was 
to do with when Arteta was making them put their hands together and, and rub them. And I think they did end up winning the game. Was it away at Burnley? I'm trying to remember all the different episodes. And it came across that even with Arteta doing a wry smile to the way Arteta, to the way Aubameyang reacted, you you thought yeah. there's something going on there. But we do have a you know a young team, and maybe one of the graphics that Sky Sports put up ahead of the game yesterday was quite telling about how Jurgen Klopp, in his second full season at Liverpool, had the youngest Premier mm. League team and has gone on this extraordinary run of success over the last five years but now they're the 18th so far this season they're the 18th um youngest so you know right down at the bottom whereas there has been a very considered approach we've seen it transfer window after transfer window of what Arsenal are trying to do I think we've basically got what three people in their 30s is that right Xhaka Elneny and Cedric and they're all only just you know 30 31 So only only one yeah. of them is a guaranteed starter as well. Yeah, correct. So, yeah, it's a huge huge difference. Um, that video is quite funny. Do we know who filmed it? Why has that? I think he's put, he's put a statement out. I've seen saying that yes, he filmed it. They filmed it when he first joined Barcelona. But um, is it like leaked? Is that someone at Barcelona filmed it and it was before they actually? You know, like he thought he was yeah. off camera, kind of. Thing. I think so. I think that's like an edited, an edit that they that they that has been leaked. Yeah, a kind of you know. Yeah, I, I, it's I, not knows? a good look. Arteta no. comes out better than Aubameyang. Yeah, yeah, completely. But Aubameyang said in his statement, admitting that that this was real, it wasn't a fake, deep fake, like from out of um, the capture on BBC One. That, um, that, yeah, brilliant, brilliant show. Um, but he said that he was still. But basically, he said he was still bitter at the time. I mean, Aubameyang kind of admitting that, you know, he was in a bad mood with Arteta. Fair enough. I mean, he's a human being. So, I mean, you can't blame him. It would be weird in a way for him not to be angry with Arteta, wouldn't it? And to lash out in, 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 in this fairly small way, Alan. I mean, I, I just feel that it's quite revealing that how young our squad is, how young Arteta is, and how that's kind of working in our favour now. That we've stuck with him, and that the and that the and that the you know the club stuck with him. It just feels like this is all the right way to go about it. Well, I mean, look, if we if we will look at any of the things we were saying long before um, Arteta even got the job, mm. we all had suspicions that the players were doing pretty much what they wanted to do, and had not necessarily down tools but stopped sort of you know doing the extra little bit um i mean what they call it at the moment quiet quitting is the uh is the phrase at the moment i see in all the all the uh features in the in the magazines in the newspapers but um it's it's not far off what i suspected some of the squad were doing back then in in the, the latter years of of arsene Wenger's reign and you know, we've we've mentioned him, and I, I think I think it is good to mention Arsene Wenger. You mentioned him to be specific. <laughs> I think it's very good to mention Arsene Wenger because, look, it, it's so obvious now, especially in some of the things Arteta said in All or Nothing, and especially in some of the things he said to Michael Calvin in a really good interview last week. He knows he was there as a player. He knows that the discipline the attention to detail, 
and everything dropped off in the latter years of Wenger. And he knows that what he inherited was the mess from that. Now, Unai Emery tried to stop it in a more drastic way and didn't get the buy-in of the players and didn't get the buy-in of the owners. I think when Arteta took the job, as we've seen from All or Nothing, he probably told the owners, this is a real mess. It will get worse before it gets better. And you've got to back me the whole way. And if you do, you will see the results. And I think that's what we're seeing. And all the evidence is there. We all speculated on it. But, you know, the good thing for us, that's us, you know, the people that speculated on it and said, this is the deep malaise from Wenger not paying attention. You know, we're being vindicated now uh, as much as Arteta has been in, in all of his decisions. And it feels like we're back to those first 10 years of Wenger, which he deserves immense credit for. You know, when, when we say stuff like this, it's not taking away or being ungrateful for the first 10 years. It's actually doing him the favour of splitting him into two and saying, love that bit, didn't quite like this bit. And we're definitely seeing it now. And we're seeing it in the attitude of the players. We're seeing it in the way the fans are responding. And that mess looks as though it, it's been unravelled. And I'm not saying it's going to be plain sailing from here on in. It definitely won't be, especially with such a young squad. But I can now see the best of the old Wenger times and the best of the old George Graham times being melded together in something that everyone has got behind, and especially the fans in the stadium, because the support, it just blows me away every single time now. Um, you know, Liverpool scored twice yesterday. It, it's back with the roars of Arsenal, Arsenal, it, it, as soon as that kind of thing happens. Anytime we concede at home, anytime we concede away, the, the, the fans are, it's just, it's, it's like a different club. It's mm. like a different club. Mm. And it's, it, you know, sometimes I just stand there in awe of it. And don't, yeah. Don't we sort of celebrate. I look around. I, I I can't believe this. Yeah. Josh and I sat together um, for the first Amazing. time in, in years uh, uh, yesterday. And we, at one point you said, Josh, because we were in the middle of, they were doing a North Bank, North Bank, clock end, clock end, Highbury uh, chant. Um, and it went on and on. It was really loud. And you, you, you said like, you couldn't believe the atmosphere. It was it's brilliant being in the middle of that to and fro, um, which I think happened. Yeah, after one of the goals we let in, or in a moment when someone no, it was it was uh, during an injury to oh, during an injury. Yeah, right. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, was but you're right. They're very rousing when we when we go goal down. We don't. Yeah. We can, yeah. Yeah. The most noticeable moment I think was when Firmino scored. Mm. And the major, the fans, you know, you can our second time in the game, it felt like, you know, sucker punched on the break. Arsenal going for the third at the time to, you know, hopefully put the game to bed. And yeah, the crowd reaction was amazing. And it has been since the start of the season when Saliba in the first home game, it was Leicester, wasn't it, where he scored that own goal. And immediately the crowd got behind him and it set the tone for the whole season and the way that, you know, the supporters have been. Uh, responding. Um, it makes a massive difference. Alan, I, I, I get what you're saying on a few bits here. I don't want to turn this into another... Josh, Josh know, on Wenger Arsene. coming up. Josh on Arsene Wenger coming up. Go on, go for it. No, I just think this is just... Like, you, so much... Know, reason. Like, don't, uh, Arsene Wenger turned us from... like Three years before he turned us into champions, I think we were 12th, right? Like, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, changes in, in the club. Like, that was actually making us champions, not top after eight games. Like, we're still 
It's just need a bit of a, you know, a, I, no, I get no, your no, no, wider no. point, no. Alan, he here, but you need to give some respect to, to what he did. But he didn't have to deal with his own mess, did he? He did not have to deal with his own mess. So you're never going to see what he would have done in the intervening. If he'd still been at the club now, there's not a chance, not a chance we'd be where we are. And and you've got to at least give me that. If you, I know you don't want to criticise him, but look, he's he's he started a decline that took nearly as long to overturn. He had a 10-year decline, and it's taken nearly five years to reverse it. And th- there's no dispute in that. I mean, look at all the numbers, everything from it. I mean, uh, it's not even a Wenger debate. It's it's a club debate. It, it you know it and and what we're seeing now is the fact that you know there are there are fewer Wenger influences at the club now. Um, you know how many of the players would have even come across Wenger? One or two or three maybe from the from the starting eleven. It, it, it's a huge difference, and and Arteta has achieved that that total difference in everything around the club, and that has that has gone into the stands, it's gone into the online support, it's gone into every other little facet of the club. And Wenger, yes, he did do that. I'm not taking away what he did do, but I'm telling you that the decline he 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 was part of that, and this it's being turned around. Yeah, I think we, yeah, we can definitely... I don't want to turn this any, the, anymore. Yeah, I can hear the listeners. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, of course. I Mikel Arteta leads us to a Champions yeah. League final and in that horrific demise that you speak <laughs> of, leads us to three FA Cups, um, you know, in, in those final five seasons and the semi-final and quarter-finals of, of Champions League, you know, games to look forward to in the, in the years ahead. But no question, it's a happier <laughs> place. And let's talk about the happier place, Boydwin. Being yes. next to you, I couldn't have been in a happier uh, place. I'd say it was it was incredible to watch a game alongside you. Thank you to uh, to Dermot and, and Dan for giving up um, their seat. They have even busier social uh, and work calendars <laughs> than you, Boyd, which says something extraordinary about about both of them. Dermot was, was doing that run. Dermot was doing that run uh, for charity. The half marathon. Yeah, the half marathon. Yeah, I think Dom was as well. Dom Dom uh, Baldwin. I think yeah, I'm sure you can find them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's cancer wow. research, I think. So. Um, yeah, well, we should all give money to country. So, yeah, that, that enabled you, you to did, sit next to me. You, boy, you refused to have a bean burger, you just went for some chips, pre match yeah. chips, is all yeah. you were stretching to this week. Yeah, the bean burger is 14 quid now, by the way. Um, and uh, it's just too, I've, I've mentioned it before, it's too, they haven't really changed the um, the recipe, it's too thick a wodge of uh, bean, frankly. But more importantly than that, even is how, um, how kind of I never felt against Liverpool. This is a new feeling. This is definitely a new feeling for me because I'm one of the most pessimistic fans, you, you know, ever. I always think we're going to let in a goal any minute. And defensively, we have issues. We'll talk about that. There are issues, but I never felt Alan in that game that we were going to lose. I, I, kept, I thought that I predicted two will draw. Slightly angry that <laughs> I, I was proven wrong. No, I was thrilled, obviously, that we got that third goal. But I never felt like uh, I know Liverpool are going through a tough time. But they still are still a very very good team, and they still had their moments. But I always thought maybe it might end up in a draw. But I never felt they're going to beat us. I feel like we've got that real mental, that that kind of incredible sturdiness, which is mostly mostly mental. The mental strength, in fact, that Arsene used to go on about. It's it's just a transformation. Yeah, I I, I I sort of felt that way too, and I think we probably do have to say now a lot of that is due to the fact that you know the Liverpool of this season 
aren't at the heights of, of their previous seasons. So I think most Arsenal fans did go into the game thinking, take a draw because that would be progressing yeah. in, in recent games against them. But we can win. You know, there's no reason why we can't win. And and I think a lot of people were were relatively optimistic going into a game against, you know, a team that's caused us huge, huge issues. Um, that They are a different team. I, I, I mean, I, I tweeted about it last night, half tongue, tongue in cheek. But I, I firmly believe that... Um, when they haven't got Mane breaking up the play and being given almost free will by referees to to <laughs> make fouls, I mean the, the game away at Anfield last season, he made six what you would sort of call bookable fouls if if Granite Xhaka was making them um, in in the first half and um, and only received a yellow in you know first first foul of the second half. I I, I mean anyone that responded to me saying that was nonsense. You don't know how hard it is to play against the team that are allowed to foul and, and get away with fouling you and break up your play. And obviously, the other qualities of Mane are that sometimes he does that legitimately as well, and he chases down. And and you know there was none of that. And then you know how dozy Henderson was in in midfield. You talked about the age of our squad. You know Liverpool's midfield yesterday had a combined age of near, nearly sixty between the two of them. And and you know we nearly had sixty between the three of the three of ours. It, I mean, it made a massive difference, and they did. They were allowed to dominate, and they 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 were allowed to keep us in the game, even though we had a rough little period around that twenty-five to thirty-five mark, which incidentally is exactly the same ten minutes where Tottenham scored their yeah. goal and, and yeah. came back. Yeah, I was and, thinking that. Yeah, and uh, I, I sort of wondered at the time. You mentioned the defence. It's, it's well. It's well on to two hundred days since our last home clean sheet in the Premier League, which wow is you know a pretty shocking statistic. That you know half a year without a clean sheet at home, considering some of the sort of poor sides that we play. I don't want to throw any negatives at what we're doing <laughs> at the moment. I, I, I <laughs> oh, still on. think I, I do think though that 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 does need to be addressed. That's a pretty alarming statistic. That and. Um, you know, I, I know we've got three reasonably easy uh, Premier League games coming up, but one of them is at home. And I would, you know, I'd really hope that that's the one where we, we stop this run of days. We are eight games at home in the Premier League, eight wins. You know, that is incredible. Obviously, it's five this season, but we, we've got to go back to the last three of, of last camp campaign as well Al so I know what you're saying but to have that kind of incredible home form is extraordinary and I know we've done this sort of winning eight of the first nine I think we've actually done it twice in the in the Premier League era haven't we I think 2005 and maybe 2008 so there is precedence um although Wenger did it so actually we can disregard it Al don't worry about it well aren't we are we in fact Josh aren't we in fact the only (laughs) team to achieve that and then not go on to win the title under Wenger I think, I think right. so. Yeah. He, no, yeah. So no kind of you were thinking been... it was a positive. Actually, maybe it was a negative. No, so. no manager. It's definitely a positive that you go and win eight of your first nine. It gives you a better chance, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, but you should go on to win the league. Yeah, um, no, no manager has been odds on more for the league and failed. Uh, so, I mean, get <laughs> anyway. Right. Listen, but George, uh, Josh, you've done it. <laughs> I've combined both your names there. Josh, you've done it again. <laughs> I, honestly, up to 5 05 06 and Champions League final. 
There's no criticism from me on any of those first 10 years whatsoever. You won't find any criticism from me, including those runs you just mentioned. Um, yeah, I wasn't being negative about the goals conceded, but I just think you'd like to see it, wouldn't you, you know, in oh, the Forest game yeah. in a few weeks that that run gets ended. It is an issue. I, we have to be honest. I mean, we, we, as positive, we, 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 you know, obviously we're all, we're all very happy, but I think, I don't think we can, um, I don't think we can, you know, hide the fact that there have defensive issues. I, I, I worry about Gabriel generally. I think he's, he's hot headed. I kind of, you know, what you go on, Josh. Yeah. No, he's the only thing, isn't he? Well, there's no, is there any other negative you know on the pitch? I watched it back. Did you, I watched the whole game back as I do, as is my won't, um, after going to see Morrissey. What I had yesterday? That's what I mean. Hey, you, you shut off at full time yeah. to go and hang out with David Williams yeah. to go watch Morrissey. And you yeah. still had time to watch the whole game back. Yeah, I got back. It was insane. Yeah. I just I started watching it. And I thought I'll carry on in the morning. And I just got gripped. <laughs> it was gripping. It was such a good game. Um, it was. Because it was so, such a brilliant game. We haven't even said that. Absolute classic. It had everything. That's why I really, it's incredibly entertaining to watch it all back. And when you're there, you know, there's little things you miss. Like Michael yeah. Oliver going over to the fucking managers was so weird. And I remember at the time saying to you, what, what is he doing? And well, no... did, did you guys, uh, that's a good, good question. Did you guys think it was a VAR check on a potential penalty? I thought it was. And that's why I thought the crowd were cheering. But I didn't understand why he went to the managers. That's a little conflab with the managers. Well, he, he went to tell them what had been alleged oh, on the pitch well, and has referred right. to the fourth official in the FA. I don't know if you've picked up on this. Well, I know the FA's investigating, aren't they? But, yeah. and, and there so was... that's what he went over to say to them, that, that he's reported the allegation to both bosses, bosses and said that he'll include it in his report. Right, right. Um, so, I it mean... Jordan I, Henderson, get... Gabriel... <laughs> Jordan Henderson, Gabriel were, were hilariously, I mean, at it. I, I do think Jordan Henderson is is a, is a, I mean he is a bell end I think but um uh he was particularly uh, furious He's a bell end until you need to interview him for a magazine isn't he Oh well god yeah I take that back if I need to interview him yeah. Yeah, take that back. Um we uh, are top but... of the table for the first time after nine or more games since December 2016 Yes so yes. we, that's nearly six yes. years. So it's, it's a strange yes. feeling for Arsenal fans to sort of be sitting here even a couple of months into the season top mm. of the league. Yeah, short, shortest price for the title since that season as well. What's the price for the title? Around six, seven to one. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? I mean, that's insane. I mean, there's no, you know, I mean... Well, it's not Leicester, Boyd. It's not 5,000 to one. You've got to give it some small percentage. Yeah, I know, but I mean... Man City, it's just ridiculous. But I, I'm just. But what we did always say in in a, I don't want to go on to, in in the in the Vega period. Well, I always just say I just wanted us to compete, and there's absolutely no doubt we're competing. The one thing I what that's why I didn't finish when I watched the watched it back. The one thing I didn't really notice particularly is Saliba, Saliba had a couple of moments as well, a couple of dodgy moments, and I love him. He's brilliant. He's transformed maybe our defense possibly, and he's like you know. Please God, let him sign a new contract. But he had a couple. He had one moment where he nearly scored another own goal, and there's another. But generally, there were a couple of moments. Him and Gabriel didn't. I don't know. Positionally, didn't seem right. Alan, uh, uh, you know, I. I also don't want to bring out the negatives, but it's literally. It's almost saying the only issue in such a brilliant performance and such a kind of gritty, um, fantastic start to the season is, is what you're talking about that we can't keep a clean sheet and there are still defensive issues. Yeah, and. I mean, I've, I've even seen it levelled at Ramsdale that he got his angles wrong again, and 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 that is a worry. Um, not from me, uh, but that you know some fans have suggested that's a worry. I think when you 
when you overly scrutinise defensive players and and keepers, no team's going to go on a run of keeping you know <laughs> clean sheets every single game and and not concede at all. And and no player is going to go through ninety minutes without making what is deemed as a mistake. I don't think they were alarming errors. When you combine them together, sometimes our defence, you do worry. And I think Gabriel's probably at the top of that league of errors where you worry. But I I still think that as a unit, they're so much better than, than what we've had in the past few years that yeah. you'll take those mistakes yeah, over I agree. I agree, yeah. any yeah. personnel changes. 100%. Let's take a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back from the break. Um, what I was thinking was that performance, it's all mental, isn't it? It's all like it shows you, like, because we've got great players. You know, Jesus has been transformational to some extent, and he was, again, you know, the way he he he, he starts to press right at the top, and he's such a kind of annoying player to play against, all of those things. But the confidence is such a, like, everything about it is it's kind of oozing out of all the players. I think it's fantastic to see. I mean, it's a slightly banal observation, but Josh. No, they, they've spoken about the, the confidence. There was a bit of Super Sunday. Did you see, is it the magician? I, he's been on the podcast. What, his name escapes me just for a moment. Um, beginning with M. Come on, help me out here, Boyd. The uh, Arsenal uh, magician. You know who I mean. Um, who Who did a lovely piece on Sky Sports Super Sunday. And it was with Odegaard and Ramsdale. And um, he um, he was sort of talking to them about the, the confidence. I mean, he sort of was half magician. Um, Marvin Burglas is who I'm thinking. Oh, okay. He was half being magician, half being interviewer. They gave him quite an interesting brief. He was sort of wowing them with his magic tricks, but also <laughs> dropping into questions as if he was Jeff Shreves about how much they're enjoying being part of this team. And that was what came across from the interview. Ramsdale talking about the absolute confidence they have all in each other. Now, they walk out of the stadium at the moment. They know the fans are totally 100% behind them and encouraging them. And they feel like they can beat anybody. And it and it is looking every bit like that. And even when, you know, you're pegged back twice. And if we'd seen that from Arsenal over the last couple of years, you'd have thought maybe the game will get away from them. And, um, yeah, like the confidence is... It's it, like they- it, just, it just could not... It could not be higher. And even the yeah. decisions that Arteta is making yesterday, the big one uh, left back, Tommy Yasu, mm. playing ahead of a fit Kieran Tierney, the decision being down to the belief that who's the best one-on-one defender, can he go up against Salah and keep him quiet, totally vindicated. And that, let's be honest, decision with VAR heavily went our way, or not with VAR, but the penalty decision, I think had that not been given, I don't think it gets overturned for clear and obvious. So... Yeah, we're just, just getting the rubber. Oh yeah, rubber the green. That's what I wanted to ask. You've reminded me what I was going to ask that when I and I completely forgot before we went to the break. Which is, Alan, can we now discount the idea that referees are 
um, against us forever, either either um, deep down, subconsciously or consciously in the conspiracy theorists. I know you're not one of the conspiracy theorists, but those, no, we, they de- are the we, conspiracy- def- we definitely can't. Yeah, I we mean, def- <laughs> we definitely cannot. And I think, as Ian Wright said, we got lucky yesterday. But yeah. that, that's what that's a drop in the ocean compared to what we've had to deal with. And I want to give you a little stat. And if you don't agree with me after this, then I'm in trouble because I'll <laughs> never, ever convince you. Gabriel Jesus, which league has he been playing in before he came to Arsenal? The Premier League. Yeah. In 100 matches for Manchester City, he has been booked five times. In 10 matches for Arsenal, in the same division, he has been booked four times in 40% of the matches instead of five. Now, if you take out the fact that probably City have more possession than Arsenal, more likely to be played winning football, but, you know, we've been playing winning football since he's been in the team. Why, Why is Gabriel Jesus, who hasn't changed his game, suddenly being booked in 40% of his matches rather than 5% of his matches? Um, well, there's no answer. All I'd other say than, is, well, other there is one answer. So other than, it's a little bit what you said. I mean, you said, you know, he's being refereed. Man City. Go on. He's being refereed different uh, because of his shirt. You know, he's at Arsenal. He's being asked to do a slightly different job, but that does not equate to a, a 35% shift in the number of times he gets booked. He's exactly the same personality and same player. And, and the same style of player being asked to do an ever so slightly different job in no, a I team. Would say, ah, I would say no. I, 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 I would say he's been asked to do a, def- a different job. He leads our line. He leads the press. He is our number nine. He is uh, loads of stuff starts with him, and he is he, going and he's tracking back and defend. And you know, he's like he's just our main man. I don't think he was ever Man City's main man. I think that's a massive difference. But in I the would match, genuinely. But that's but but you know I'm talking about matches he started for for City, not the 20 minutes where he's coming on at the end. No, I know, I know. But even um, then, he doesn't. He's, he wasn't the same. He's not the same. It's not the same role. I, both I mentally speak- and 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 on the pit and in terms of positioning, everything. It's a different. Uh, well, it's, it's a completely different situation. So I would actually I, that would be my argument. Re- I, as I say, I, I just don't <laughs> see how that can equate to a 35 percent shift. But anyway, it has led me down the rabbit hole of checking every single player. Wow. that's played for us, that's played for another team to see if their percentage was different elsewhere. I will get back to you on the next podcast. And if I can convince you that the vast majority of the players played elsewhere and didn't get booked as many times, then at least then surely you'll uh, meet me with uh, some degree that okay. I might be correct on this. Okay, maybe. maybe. I love the research, Al. I applaud it. It's good that you're in the industry that you're yeah. in albeit not in a role where you need to worry about that level of statistic in a day-to-day not level not anymore <laughs> no um yeah it, it was joyous uh, it was absolutely joyous and and another stat i saw on the back of this which alan will enjoy i think that's the 12th time in a row now where we've been leading at half time and gone on to win and again you, you know showing resilience to to go out and and win games and yeah, I, I, I think we said it against 
you know, in the podcast after Tottenham about how much of the stadium stayed behind. And I know you've shot off, Boyd, because you had Morrissey to yep. get to. But I yep. don't think, I don't know what you thought, Alan. I don't think I've seen as many people stay in the stadium. I, I cannot remember just a Premier League victory. It felt like it was still full five minutes later. It was it was really something. It it was really special. What did you did you notice that, Al? Yeah, I I, I stayed in the seat. Um, we uh, had Nico, the YouTube star, who ran for London Mayor, right next to us. Great guy, really really nice guy. Um, and we were chatting to him. And do you know what? It it was actually incredible because what. I noticed at the end of the game is the amount of people that weren't usually in my section, they're just sort of berating the, berating the away fans because we're I'm in club level just above the away fans and you're sort of waving them out of the stadium. But people were really genuinely focused on the players and trying to give them their, you know, plaudits as they were going around the pitch. And, and that's, that's sort of what's caught me now is that the players just seem more connected with the fans and more likable to the fans. And, um, I, I, I do think, yeah, people are staying in late at the end of games. And I think that people are staying in the stadium later. People are getting in the stadium earlier. Um, yeah, totally different vibe. Totally different vibe. And at the end, it's great because you've led me to something that I, I sort of did last season when the guy got in touch with me. But um, Pedro on pole, uh, Pete, who is the... Um, He's the announcer now. He's yes, taken... we love we love Pete. Well, do you know what? It's incredible because if there was an award for most improved person at Arsenal last season, it probably wouldn't have gone to the players. It would have gone to him. And now what he does with Nigel <laughs> Mitchell, in terms of the hosting that he does with Nigel Mitchell now, those two, and bear in mind, I go to a lot of Premier League grounds, those two are the best match day hosts in the Premier League. They get everything right from the song choices to the way that they announce stuff to the messages they send out to the way they interact with fans when they're interviewing them. Honestly, those two are different class. So I think that yeah, needs yeah. saying, especially after last year when, you know, I probably was a, a bit overcritical, but uh, great people and, you know, Arsenal through and through. And that probably makes the difference. So, uh, you know, the song choices at the end, that keeps the fans in the stadium. There's no more Sweet Caroline. It's been joyous, absolutely joyous for those two. Yeah, you're 100 percent right to give credit. I did see Pete and Nigel actually in the in the media centre of a Tottenham game, and you're right. And and that's just Pete being a young fan in tune with what the supporters want, and whether it's uh, playing, you know, the Tequila song or uh, you know Granite Xhaka's song, he is getting the tone right. You know of of what the stadium want. See what he does if we if we lose a home game this season. What exactly he goes for? But he's he's been spot on every time. I can agree with you. You know, like the parallel with with trusting Arteta, young boss, but he'll eventually get it right. Trust some of the players; they're they're young. They'll eventually get it right. And it you know it feels the same with him as well. You know, few little teething problems at the start. We've got to get Pete on, boy. Yeah, we should get him on. He's great. Great broadcaster too. Ditching, um, ditching Sweet Caroline, almost as important as ditching William, for example. You know, think, think, yeah, exactly. Think of, uh, That's another thing. <laughs> it's a long, it's a long time since William. Just think of that. Uh, I wanted to say one thing actually, and we are we are being very positive, and it's and it's absolutely brilliant. I'm fully, you know, I, I, many things. I feel like I, we, maybe Alan, and all of us 
just slightly less were critical of of Arteta. Um, but certain people have said, like um, Chris Sutton keeps saying on Five Live, partly as a joke because he's like a, 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 he's a full member of the like Arsenal fans are fickle kind of you know theorists. But the thing is, we've all grown, we've all learned, haven't we? As well, you know, as fans. And good to learn to appreciate Arteta's good points, his brilliant points. But it's it, it, but factually, you can't deny that there were periods under his um, managership which were awful. We had some terrible runs. We played some terrible football. Like I, it's almost like a, the transformation is so extraordinary that it feels like a kind of distant nightmare. The period when William was playing all the time before he picked uh, uh, Emil Smith Rowe in, instead. And when we played, like, constantly passing it around the back in that shoehorn of hell, you know, it was we were terrible under him for long, quite long periods. And so I do feel that there's a lot of revisionist people saying, oh, Arsenal fans are so fickle, they wanted Arteta out. The reason why Arteta out was a hashtag at, one, at various points is we were awful. And that makes the turnaround even more spectacular for me. But let's not airbrush history for me and, and, and say, you know, he's been obviously a great, success from the start obviously it was always going to work is my point yeah i i agree with that and obviously you had the message from uh, our dear friend amanda saying get get alan on and, and you know yeah tell us why he was doubtful but you're dead right boy you know we we had every reason to be doubtful we weren't plucking things out the air were we at random we were we were pointing out factual stuff that was going on saying you've got to question that and i think we were only sort of being quite realistic rather than, I don't think either of us uttered Arteta out in the same way we never uttered Wenger out because we don't like that kind of support. But there were certainly times where, where we both questioned the project and, and, and the progress. Uh, I think, um, you know, I even replied in the tweet saying, you know, realists never have big victories because they're always sort of, going between two stores and trying to give balance to both sides. And anyone giving a balanced argument is never going to have a big victory ever because, uh, you know, it's people who have wild opinions and um, one-way opinions that get the big victories. And those people that backed Arteta, um, good on them, but, you know, they never really had an answer during that time other than, well, I think it will just come good. I don't ever remember them giving a good reason to convince me why it would come good. Um, and, and, you know, and I've said that to LeGrove and I've said that to to, to Amanda at times. Um, it's all well and good that you were 100% behind this project, but at no stage did you ever tell me something or give me a little bit of insight to say, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I see that too now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be it's going to be amazing. Um, he did have a lot to turn around. And now I said this at the start. Um, and the the one thing that I always wrote in my Guna column was maybe, just maybe, the situation at the club is that it will get worse before it gets better. And it has to get a little bit, you know, it has to get slightly more, it has to go slightly more downhill under Arteta's reign before he starts pulling it back up. Um, but, you know, let's not kid ourselves here. As you were just saying, boy. He's only just edged past Unai Emery's points per game record in the Premier League with, <laughs> really? with, with us. And, you know, those people were vociferous that, that Emery should be, you know, uh, dispatched uh, to another club as, as quick as possible. So 
you know, Arteta's only just gone past his win percentage, only just gone past his Premier League points per game. All for what? the better. And yeah. I think he'll streak clear in both of those stats. Yes. And I want to see it happen. Yeah. But well, let's not kid ourselves that it's all been plain sailing. Yeah. Josh is going to say something, and I need to remember what I'm going to say as well. I want to ask you a thing about Klopp. Go on, Josh. Well, just on your point, Boyd, about it not being immediately obvious that it was all going to come good, because... Of course, Arteta came in during that 2019-20 season and you've always got the excuse of, you know, coming in, you know, midway through a campaign. And then, of course, we had COVID as well. But then in his first full season, you know, it went from eighth in the half season to finishing eighth. You know, there there was no sort of, you know, it's only in a, a league position. I think what did inspire people was that he had managed in those two FA Cup games, the semi-final and the final of that 2019-20 season to show what actually on our day we can turn up and win. And and, and winning that trophy in, in the way that we did, I think, was certainly bought time even off the sort of critics that when we were going through a, you know, a difficult season, which was, you know, 2020-21 wasn't, you know, brilliant. We ended up losing 13 league games. We... Uh, you know, did did go quite far in the Europa League all the way to the semi-final. But it, you know, it wasn't plain sailing by um, by any means. But uh, I think it was those semi-finals that maybe when... Yeah. And this isn't the point scoring, but when you were being a bit more negative, I would, <laughs> I would still think so hard about those, that semi-final win and the, and the FA Cup final win and go, well, I hope um, there is there is reason to be optimistic. Yeah, but um, all I'd say there. is... But people will still go, last year we... You know, cocked it up, and right. You know, I was going to say, yeah. fingers could be pointed at Arteta. So, yeah, um, we that's why we have to be reality. Top four yeah. is still the aim this season, much as we are rightfully being a six, mm. seven to one shot in the in the title race. I was going to mention to ask about um, because I was watching what I, when, I, when I saw um, Klopp yesterday um, making that substitution, substitute taking Salah off, which was a brilliant compliment you know to to Tommy Asu obviously on one level but equally I thought what a mad kind of a mad bit of managership it, even Klopp and I I I, I, th- I think Klopp's brilliant I think he's ach- what, what he's achieved is amazing but it kind of put into perspective a little bit for me this is me being a, doing a bit of a mayor culpa which is that even even con- completely brilliant managers who've achieved almost everything in football like him can I think that was a weird decision to take off Salah because you know, it's like he's still their best attacking player, one of their best attacking players. He's, I know he didn't have the best of games, but he could have still... He ended up, and I think um, Gary Neville mentioned it on the commentary as I watched it back, they ended up with fewer forwards, way fewer forwards than they did when they started the match, and they were looking for a goal. They desperately needed a goal. I thought he made some weird decisions. And that, that and the reason I mention that is because now I feel like if Arteta does make one or two weird decisions, we can't, I can't, rashly then you know kind of condemn him as if that's like a thing that no great manager would ever do do you know what I mean they're all capable of doing weird stuff aren't they Alan yeah completely I mean I, I can't I can't remember any manager in history that's never has not made a mistake I think the, the big thing with with Arteta is because he's a manager for the first time and this might actually connect to the last point we were making about um the slow progress if you if you appoint a manager that is a first time manager at your club, all of the mistakes that first time managers make are going to be made at your club. You don't have that benefit of having someone that's been 
at a lower league club and and learns about you know when's the right time to make a sub and things like that all of those things that that others you know learn much earlier in their career we've had to accept that arteta will make those mistakes with us and will learn mm. with us and as you saw from Klopp yesterday mistakes will be made I, I, I'm I'm more or less think with Klopp and you know you've obviously acknowledged already that he's a great manager I think with Klopp yesterday I think he was just trying to um, come up with something completely different because um, Arteta had planned so well for the for the way that Liverpool play that I think he just tried to just do something completely unorthodox just to see if it did change something at the end and and obviously because it didn't come off we are saying that you know it was a bad decision. Um, I mean, most of the time, anytime you're taking off Mo Salah and someone with his record, it is going to probably look a, a completely bad decision. But what was interesting was, I think, uh, I mean, as I say, I'm above the away fans, Liverpool fans. A few of them were sort of questioning that. You could see oh, yeah. by their their mannerisms that they were questioning that. But look, you know, we've got a young boss that's going to make his mistakes on our watch. But older, more experienced bosses still do make mistakes. Yeah, 100%. Where do you think we are? Let's um, we, we let's uh, look at the bigger picture. We haven't talked about the Bodo-Glimpse game. I think for me, the Bodo-Glimpse game, it, it does show you that we've got a couple of players like the Vieira, you know, and uh, and others that can be good enough for the Europa, you know, allow us to rest kind of half the team, half of that first team. And, you know, I feel like that's also part of working out really well. I know we've only, you know, it's very early days in Europa, but I just feel like he, I think that makes sense. People were talking about him making 11 changes, you know, and kind of transferring the whole team. For me, like he's doing the right thing. A few of the players from the from that first team, shall we call it, of the obvious team he prefers generally, will play in the Europa. But it's also, we've got enough good, talented youngsters, Eddie and Katia still, for it, for it to be pretty safe in the Europa, you think? And I think that, that just adds to the whole factor of this season particularly working out pretty well so far josh it was stronger than i imagined going yeah. going to that game but especially with bodo being the in theory what i think many expected maybe be the easiest game in in the group we've touched upon it before about the importance of winning the group avoiding even the potential of a round you know an extra couple of games in the in the competition that can come you know if you don't win the group. So maybe that's why he, he went quite as strong as he did. But, you know, when the game's dead and you're seeing Gabriel Jesus come on and Saka and these guys, you're thinking, well, we've got a massive game in three days. It shows the way he's approaching the competition and he's not just giving out minutes easily, let's say, because the one player who I don't think had had any minutes going into that game was Reese Nelson. And I think he just yeah. got on right at, right at the end. He sort of did give him his first minutes of the season where really you're looking at that going, well, give him 30, 30, 40 minutes here, like the, the game's done. And, you know, in yeah. contrast to bringing on, you know, no one airy, the 15-year-old at, at Brentford, here again is, I, I feel really connected in a way to like Matt Smith, ever getting minutes for Arsenal. Mm -hmm. Just when you saw him get in that cup final that I mentioned earlier in 2020, I think he's got a cup final, um, a cup winner's medal from 2020 and had to sit and watch a 15-year-old come on and get, you know, minutes. And he's there. I think he's 20. He's been out on loan in, in the Football League. I'm really hoping that that he and a couple of the others do get the opportunity. Maybe, maybe it's going to take match day five, match day six, before they do get that chance. Um, 
there was also is it I, I'm Alan might correct correct me on the pronunciation, but there's Catalin, is it Kurjan as well, who who was on the bench the other day. So there's definitely a couple of them who I do hope we get the opportunity to see, but I suspect it will be after the next two games, which hopefully will be two more wins. Was it was it not that the the fifteen year old had a special clause somewhere in in a contract that um I, I have read a story since saying that it suited Arsenal to play in that day due to something uh, to do with his contract and another club sniffing around for him. So I'm not sure it was the fairy tale that um, oh, don't say we that. were we were made. To, well, no, it was still great, and he's yeah. got the record. You know, he's got the record. But I did read something afterwards that that said that we had promised something against another Premier League club that was sniffing around him. So it might not be that straightforward for Matt Smith sitting there saying. You know, maybe behind the scenes, Matt Smith had it explained to him that that uh, you know that that was part and parcel of it. I, I was actually going to say, um, you know, talking of Arteta making mistakes on the job, the Nottingham Forest game last season in the FA Cup, when he he did obviously give players minutes that might have deserved it in terms of not featuring in other games, but mm. let him down, you know, massively on the day at the city ground uh, in that third round uh, FA Cup tie. Maybe he, he's learned from that and he's, he's not going to just hand minutes out um, like that. I mean, that, they let themselves down last year, that team, because they cost themselves further involvement in, in the season. We we played so few games last year. Um, and, and luckily, with the Europa League this season, we will get to see those players. But... You know, I, I I think that that Nottingham Forest game will be fresh in in Arteta's mind, knowing that he was heavily let down and um, uh, and just picking the the eleven freshest players or the eleven players with with the least minutes probably isn't the way to go. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, very exciting time to be an Arsenal fan. It's all it's, this is what it's all about, and what it's all about on this podcast is predictions. So we've got two to make. Uh, we've got the away uh, fixture at Bodo Glimt on Thursday, 5.45 kickoff. Get ready for an early departure from work to see that on the Albiti Sport. And then we've got Leeds away on Sunday at 2 o'clock. Josh, let's do a double prediction for those games. Yeah. Fair play, firstly, to the 404, I think, was the ticket allocation given to Arsenal for this game. So wishing all those people a safe journey. And I don't think it's an easy one. I don't think there was a direct flight. So uh, credit to everyone who's who's making the incredible journey. I think Arsenal will win this game. I, You know, Bodo, I think the commentary team summed it up at, at the end, which I watched back, which I watched when I got back summarising that this kind of was their cup final. Coming to the Emirates, being the size of club they are, was was as good as it was going to get. And I don't think they offered a lot on the pitch. So I think it will be another Arsenal win. I think maybe 2-0 to Arsenal. And then we go to Ellen Road. And why wouldn't you feel confident and think that Arsenal have got enough to, to win the game? I don't think it's been, you know, an incredible season from Leeds by any means thus far. Um, 3-1 to Arsenal. Uh, Ellen Road for me, Boyd. Oh, I was going to say 3-1. Um, that's annoying. Obviously, that's the other weird thing is that I have to do different. I have to predict a different score. Um, I'll say... Uh, I'm going to... How about this? I might predict our first clean sheet for a, like a decade and say... I might say 3-0 for the Leeds game. 
and um a white a white clean sheets have not been a problem for it yeah I know, yeah you're right yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true so yeah, there we go that 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 prediction makes more sense and um and 3-1 against bodo glimped we'll concede against glimped how about you alan what do you think yeah i thought the bodo fans were were incredible I, i'm oh, sure they were brilliant packed pack their stadium yeah. for for this and and as as josh says you know, it's a big cup final for them. I thought their wing backs, Wem, Bang, Gomo, and Mvuka, that, that I mean, they when they were on the ball, they they looked pretty tricky. But they're not of the class to sort of even give our second uh, choice defenders that much of a worry. Um, I think we'll keep a clean sheet in that one. I think we'll win two 0 quite comfortably and get the job done in the in the in the group stages. Uh, Leeds. Um, they're not playing as badly as their results suggest, but they're absolutely toothless uh, up front. And I, I actually think there will be a clean sheet at the weekend as well. I'm going to go for two 2-0 two games in the next five days. Wonderful. Well, it's been a joy as ever, Alan, um, to have you on. And, Great to uh, talk to you guys. Thanks very much. Venga references so. and all. Uh, cheers, Josh. Thanks for everything and good to see you at the game. And uh, we'll be back next week. Cheers, bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.